Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 6 of Season 4 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan rom-com, When Harry Met Sally, One Minute at a Time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is my good friend Nick Rehack of French Toast Sunday. Welcome back to the show for this season, Nick. Thank you for having me again, man. I really appreciate it. Well, you, you were such a gracious host last time. You know, so I figured that that uh, you know you didn't want to come visit me this time and sit on my couch. So you know, we'll 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 do it we'll do it over the uh, over the airwaves once again. You know, until until one of us get gets uh, you know to the other one's continent. <laughs> That's true. I'll have to get. A, I've yet to be to the uh, other hemisphere, so I'll have to. There get you go. On that. You can write about things that happen to other people. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, first I want to mention to 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 everyone. I mean, yeah, you you told me you'd never seen this movie before we we before I told you that this is what we're doing. So yeah. do you want to do you want to give your impressions now, or do you want to give it at the end of the week? I can give it now if you'd like. Whatever whatever you prefer. It's it's I'll up give, to you. I'll give it now. Um, I'm I'm disappointed in myself that I have not seen it sooner because I absolutely loved just about every second of this movie. Wow. But I'm also glad that I saw it when I did because I feel like I'm mature enough and I have a much greater appreciation of it than had I watched it when I was younger. Right. Okay. That's fair. That's very fair. Um, and is it now considered, you know, a movie that you said, "Wow, I would, I want to go rewatch this sometime." Oh, I would absolutely rewatch this time and again. All right. And, and did you get your wife to watch it with you? I did not. Unfortunately, she was a little preoccupied. Uh, she was. Those- she was gaming. There she go. was. <laughs> I didn't want to call her out, but you know she's been really big into Call of Duty lately, so <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Just uh, you know, so so at least now you have uh, something to use for date night at some point. You know, say that's hey, true. here's this movie that that you know you've had, did you ever did you ask her if she'd ever seen it? I feel like she said she saw it a while ago and then kind of just went right back to her gaming. I'm like, okay, well I'll be in the basement. <laughs> Hey, why not? If if that yeah. works, if that's what works for you guys, that that that's great. <laughs> All oh, right, man. so so episode six begins with Harry continuing to talk and spit, and ends with Harry beginning to explain his dark side. So we we ended things on Friday with uh, you know Harry and Sally uh, getting in the car and driving out of University of Chicago. We mentioned that they made the wrong turn, and today we get to see even more that they went the wrong way because you know we'll, we'll see where where they're driving, which is not where one should be driving if they're leaving the city of Chicago. Uh, obviously, I'm not from Chicago, so I don't know this, but a friend of mine who's from Chicago you know, said to me when he heard I was doing this, he says, "You got to talk about the fact that they're going the wrong way when they leave when they leave the the University of Chicago." And I was like, "What? Come on." <laughs> They can't get something like that really wrong. And it turns out I did a little bit of research, and they did. <laughs> but, but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> so that you know, the last thing we actually saw was you know Harry was spitting the, the the grape pits into the window and then rolled it down without even you know even thinking that he needs to uh, you know wipe off the the window or something like that. All right, and. You know, he's in this minute just continues doing that. He's, you know, the, the window is opened and now he's just spitting out pits of of those grapes that he brought. 
You know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't mention this on Friday, but you would think that his, these grapes would have been squashed by the way that, that he just has like this duffel bag and, you know, in a laundry bag. Yeah, you know, I, I don't really think there's anywhere he could have put those grapes that would have kept them uh, safe. No, not at all. They should have absolutely been squished. Are they still even fresh? How long have they been sitting out? I have a lot of questions about these grapes. <laughs> and, and like you pointed out, you didn't wipe off the window. You just looked at it and went, oh, whoops, and then, <laughs> then rolled it down. <laughs> Sorry, I'll roll down the window. You know, that's now, it. <laughs> do you have a cup? Is it okay if I spit this out the window? Would you like some grapes? None no, he did that. offer her. He offered her. He grapes. did. He okay. did. I'll and she said, and she said, and she said that she she doesn't eat between meals. But I think she was oh, just being right. polite. I think she was just being polite, <laughs> to, to, you know, saying, okay, that's gross and disgusting. I mean, we see that here in the first few seconds of this minute. You know, when he's spitting out the window, the look on her face is is priceless. I mean, she is just shocked that someone would actually do that because she's, you know, she's prim and proper. You know, she is someone who would be, you know, spitting them. Uh, actually, I wouldn't even say spitting them. She would She would let them, like, fall out of her mouth onto her hand. Or into a tissue or something like that. Or into a car, yeah. as you mentioned. While you looking know. away and then, like, ditch it real quietly. Even no, though I don't, you know I don't what's think, happening. But I don't think like, she uh, would do that. I don't think she would do that. You don't that. think? No, not Sally. You know, it's, it's it's like the type of thing, you know, that there, there are certain things that women don't do. You know, and that's it. And, you know, Sally is like that. There are women that do do those things. But, you know, Sally is not. <laughs> she, you know, come on. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the way she orders things later this week. So That is true. That is true. We we do know that that uh, she she does things in her own way, very but much so. Spitting grapes is not one of them. <laughs> and I I can definitely say that, you know. And then uh, Harry says to her, "So, why don't you tell me about the story of your life?" <laughs> now I'm going to read through this whole conversation, and then we'll we'll go back and 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 pick it pick pick through it as we go along because, you know, it it's a great uh, it flows really well. You know, he goes. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell me the story of your life? He goes, the story of my life? Well, we got 18 hours to kill before we hit New York. The story of my life isn't even going to get us out of Chicago. I mean, nothing's happened to me yet. That's why I'm going to New York. So something will happen to you. Yes. Like what? Like I'm going to journalism school to become a reporter. So you, uh, you can write about things that happen to other people. That's one way to look at it. Suppose nothing happens to you. Suppose you lived out your whole life and nothing happens. You never met anybody. You never became anything. And finally you die in one of those New York deaths where nobody notices for two weeks until the smell drifts into the hallway. And then Sally looks at him and says, Matt, I mentioned you had a dark side. That's what drew her to me. Your dark side? Sure. Why? Don't you have a dark side? No. No. You're probably one of those cheerful people who dots their eyes with little hearts. I have just as much of a dark side as the next person. Oh, really? When I buy a book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. That, my friend. And that's the end of the dialogue for this minute because it gets cut off in the middle. So let's let's pick through the things that are said here. I mean, first of all, it's a great conversation. You know, it's, it's, it's written really well. I mean, Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner did a great job with the dialogue in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, the, very the, much. It all feels natural. It always yeah. flows really well, like you said. Correct. The the back and forth between the two of them is is always amazing throughout the entire movie, and that that is because of the script writing and because of the chemistry that the two of them have. Even though, I mean, there there's uh, I think there's like a 15 year difference between the two of them, something like that. I did I did the math at some point 
Um, I'm trying to remember the the age difference between them, but they're they're you know it they, they are not uh, what you would call contemporaries, I guess you can say. You know there there is a a slight age gap between them. I didn't know that. I would have never guessed that, really. Billy Crystal was born in '48, and Meg Ryan in '61, so it's it's a 13 year difference. But still, you, you you know it doesn't seem that way here. I mean, forget about the fact that he has this this great toupee on him. You know, and that she has her Farrah Fawcett cut and stuff like that. But, you know, it does not look like there's 13 years between the two of them. Not at all, no. You know, in the script, I think there's a five-year difference between the two of them. I think that, if I remember correctly. Because apparently okay. he has he has finished law school and she's just finishing her bachelor's. You know, so there there is that difference between their, you know, their, their I guess, level of education that they're finishing. Mm-hmm. You know, and stuff like that. So, I mean... The whole reason that Harry starts this conversation is, is, you know, he's finding a way to pass the time, you know, as they're, you know, as they're driving along and he's spitting and stuff like that. You yeah. Know? And it's not like what brings you to New York? I'm from New York. Have you seen things in New York before? Let's talk New York or anything like that. It's just like, so tell me every t- which exactly the story of your life. Tell me everything about you. Let right. me see if I find you remotely interesting or if I'm going to have to do a lot of the legwork on this conversation. Yeah, but I also think about the fact that, okay, if you know that you're going on a road trip with someone that you know don't know at all for 18 hours, okay, you're going to have to, you know, uh, you're going to have to think about what you're going to do along that trip. Yeah, I mean, a, a book, a music, something. Like, uh, what I don't understand is, and and maybe it was discussed later on, and I've I've missed it on the the viewings that I've given it. Was there even a way or this uh, conversation of like, oh yeah, my friend happens to be going that way, I'll hitch you two up, or I'll make sure you catch a ride with her. There was no conversation ahead of time, like, hey, I hear we're gonna ride to here. You know, do you have a preference on driving during the day or at night? Like, I've taken road trips before, and we hash out a lot of the stuff ahead of time. So in the beginning of the road trip, it's, hey, I'm excited to get to that place. Middle of the road trip, it's, hey, all these things that we've passed. And as we get closer to the road trip, it's, hey, remember all the stuff that we just did. So there's plenty of like logical steps to make. But if it's two strangers like this, you think there'd be at least some type of communication or at least something. But no, it's just it's going in like completely dry. Right. And I, I find that so fascinating to begin with. But Right, my understanding something like this nowadays for sure. Yeah, my understanding is that the the idea was is that okay, you know, Sally was driving and she was trying to find someone to go with her, Mm. and that's what it comes down to. And and at that point, she she must have put up like a a a post somewhere in you know on a bulletin board in the school or something like that, and you know, and and then Harry answered it. But on the other hand, we know that she's friends with amanda so Mm -hmm. so somehow you know through the grapevine you know they found out but i think the idea is is that you know sally is the one who's planning the whole thing but there's also personality sally's personality is to plan everything out harry's is i'm just going to go with the flow that's true because i'm probably going to die before i get to new york so it doesn't matter you know that that type of thing that that's Mm. his you know personality (laughs) you know why plan ahead (laughs) who knows who knows if we're going to actually make it there you know, I don't know. No, um, that's a great way to look at it. I didn't I didn't think of it like that before. I mean, and he even kind of lets us in on that type of thing, too, by saying I read the last page of a book before I even start it. For me, I read the last sentence. And that is a problem for sure, because it's like, why? Why not just read it and then be found out at the end? But there's something about reading that last sentence. And then, like, how do we get there? 
Yeah, but but if you read that, what what I've you know after I've I've heard Harry say this so many times, I've just seen this movie so many times. You know, I've I've sometimes gone and and looked at the last line of a book or something like that. And the the truth is, if you don't know the characters and you don't know the story, the last line means nothing, or the last page or whatever it is, it means nothing to you because you don't know who these people are. You don't know, um, you don't know how things got to this last page. You know, the last page could could just be you know, an epilogue or something like that. You know, it says, okay, so Sally got married to Harry in the end or whatever it is, but mm. it doesn't, it's, you know, I, I, when I look at books, you know, I, I can't really see that reading the last page or the last sentence will help me get any type of understanding. You know, even if it, we go according to Harry's philosophy, that if you die along the way, then, you know, you'll at least know what happens, but I don't think you really do. That, that that's my opinion. I don't think the last page sums up a book. I think that's fair because it's just the page of it's just what's that character doing in that moment or what's their last kind of thought. Exactly. But you don't know how it started. You don't know what happened during. Did the character change? Did they stay the same? I mean, obviously with these two characters, right now they're staying the same, sure, but we're going to see a lot of change in the coming minutes. Correct. Uh, but you know, if you were to watch the first, if you were to watch the last minute, is that going to tell you everything you need to know about the first minute? Right. Probably not because it's credits, but. <laughs> okay, that's true also. <laughs> All right, you're very good with that one. It's a very good point. <laughs> but still, but still, you know, it's not going to yeah. tell you, you know. You know, like even if you take a movie like Memento and you watch the last minute of Memento, that really won't tell you anything about what happened in the movie. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. Things are completely different. But, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I found really interesting, I've, 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 I am listening as as I do the research for each of these minutes. So I listen to the two commentary tracks on the DVD. All right. One of them has just Rob Reiner and there's another one with Rob Reiner, Billy Crystal and Nora Ephron together, all talking about the movie. You know, and I'm, I'm like listening to them in five minute segments. Uh, I've I've listened to them in the past, but, you know, just to refresh my memory, stuff like that. And one of the things that they say on the commentary where with with the three of them is that the idea of spitting the grapes was Billy Crystal's idea. Um, Apparently, when he was learning to drive, his grandfather was was teaching him how to drive. And his grandfather used to, you know, uh, uh, spit things out the window as they were driving. Huh. (laughs) That's like weirdly endearing. Yes, completely. <laughs> and that would kind of be a thing that only he and I guess maybe close family would know if they've driven with his grandfather before. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of sweet. Yep. So um, now my biggest question is, okay, he starts off by saying, tell me the story of your life instead of him telling his story. You know, we never we never get to the point where we're, you know, he doesn't leave her an opening to say, OK, well, tell me your story. How did you get here? You know, he's interested in uh, gathering information about her, mm-hmm. but he still is keeping he's holding his cards very closely. Well, I think it's also I bet it would be in his character to, if she asked about him. She's like, well, I already know about me. I want to know about you right. or okay. some kind of like quasi smart line like that i think that's how it would come off i mean i i don't know about you but for me upon the first time seeing this the his whole performance and like delivery of his dialogue really reminded me of charlie sheen's character in ferris bueller's day off at the police station <laughs> okay. where he's just kind of like throwing it out there real nonchalant like but then every so often there might be one little sentence that's like kind of 
I don't want to say prolific, but really is like it makes you think a little bit and kind of takes that step back of like, huh, you know, that is a different way of looking at things. Uh, but just just his whole demeanor. I'm, I'm like, this is it's for me. It's not the usual Billy Crystal I'm used to seeing. So I wonder how his character would uh, grow and evolve, which, again, you see in the you know coming minutes or throughout the film. But yeah. I think it's just really cool to see Billy Crystal in this way, like at the start of a movie. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and you know, the the idea that, that she then also says that she has, you know, that, that nothing has happened in her life. She's she's 21. Yeah. Do you mean to tell me that every 21-year-old in 1977 doesn't have anything that happened to them? You know, it's, it's very strange no that that's the camps, way. camps, nothing? Exactly. But that's strange that that's the way she looks at her life. She looks at her life that she hasn't accomplished oh, anything. Interesting. You know, so... That's a very different way of looking at it because at least by the time I was 21, I had went to Disney World once. You know, I went to college for a little bit, all kinds of stories and stuff there. Like, I, had, yeah, I had been in the military. You know, like, hey, see, there you go. <laughs> you know, I've been in the military. I, I, uh, I was almost finished with my degree by the age of 21. You know, it's like it's uh, – you know, I had things to talk about. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't say they were necessarily profound things, but, you know, things that happened in my life. And for her to, yeah, for her to make such a blanket statement by saying that nothing has happened to me yet, you know, and she's going to New York for something to happen. You know, it, like nothing can happen to you if you're in Chicago. But if you go to New York, then obviously, you know, something can happen. We we never find out where the two of them are actually from. You know, are they from Chicago or they just happen to be, you know, in university in Chicago? So that's true. You know, how that's did they true. get there and all that stuff? So, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about these type of things. And, you know, I, I, I like the fact that they, they give us the hint here that, you know, she's looking to study to be a journalist. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is never mentioned anywhere else in the movie. Later on, we don't hear about her, you know, uh, you know, writing articles and going into, uh, you know, uh, going to the newsroom or having to meet a deadline uh, for the newspaper or something like that. Nothing. You know, in in, no. in Sleep is in Seattle, yes, but not in this movie. Yeah. I think there's one scene where she's typing, and then there's another throwaway line of like, oh, I work there, like talking about another uh, uh, media publication. But that's really – yeah, you're right. That's really it. And then with Billy Crystal, his character, you know, political consultant and everything, we don't really see him doing much of anything that's from true. the realm of political consulting, which that's I true. also found really interesting. Yeah, which, which again, we only, we'll only find out in like two weeks what what he actually does but the script tells Spoilers. us that he's a lawyer you know which which is even even you know it's even funnier that he would study law you know that this is yeah. his personality he's you know he's got a very dark side and and still would study law you know i don't know but and and he didn't go into it at the end which yeah. i mean he his character would make for a fascinating lawyer i would love to hear his diatribes and yes you know, the statements he would give and the cross sections and the conversations with the judge and the jury and all that. I would I would love to see something like yes. that. Yes. <laughs> I think he would get thrown out of court quite often. Very quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I did a little bit of, of research on, on journalism schools. Did you know that there are 109 uh, accredited uh, university and college programs that study journalism and mass communications right now? What? That's 109? It. That's it. I would think that number would be much higher. Really? I you thought know. it would be lower, to be honest. Really? Throughout the whole yeah. U.S.? 50, 50 Throughout states. Throughout the whole U.S. You know, because there, there's, there's what's known as the 
ACEJMC, the Accrediting Council of, on Education in Journalism and Mass Communication. And they have like st nine standards of ways to evaluate uh, the programs. And they have 109 university programs that are that are accredited towards them. Hmm. Okay. Do you, do you have any clue where, where the first journalism school was? Uh, I feel like the easy answer is New York, but I want to say Philadelphia. No, you got to go, you got to go further inward, uh, into the Midwest. It was the university of Missouri. I would have never guessed. Neither that. would I. <laughs> never. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Missouri. Okay. And there are also only three graduate schools that are only journalism schools. So you you have uh, Columbia University has a graduate school of journalism, the mm -hmm. the uh, the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism. I don't know where that one is. Sure, you've heard <laughs> it. <laughs> <Maybe>. No. <laughs> and and the UC Berkeley Graduate School of Journalism. Okay, so I've heard of Berkeley and Columbia, but not the yeah. not that middle one. Yeah. No, me neither. Huh. Okay. So, yeah. So I, I I found that a little bit of interesting. And you know, then then he goes on and talks about the fact that you know she's going to end up uh, basically dead. <laughs> you know, they're they're going to find her dead in a yeah. uh, you know in in a in an apartment somewhere. You know, in in New York, and they're going to find her like two weeks later. So I actually that that fascinated me to try and find that out. Do Do you know? Again, this is the information I found. I don't know if it's if it's factual or not okay but but how many people die in new york city every year and of those how many of them are people that that uh that live alone meaning what are, what are the odds that those people who are living alone will be found dead i'm gonna say and maybe this is a little high i'm gonna say at least three thousand three thousand are found in their apartments you're saying yes because okay. they're alone or dead, nobody – you know what I mean? Like, hey, they've yeah. been gone for a little bit, and then they find them mm -hmm. dead. Yeah, I'm going to say at least 3,000. Okay, so the, the, the numbers I found, again, I don't know how factual this is, but I found that there are, there are about 50,000 people who die in New York City every year. What? Oh, okay, okay. Across the board. Okay. Across the board, across the board, across the board. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> again, this is probably – uh, uh, data pre-COVID because I'm assuming post-COVID those numbers are very different. Uh, different, yeah. Or during, or sorry, uh, I guess uh, how would you present COVID or not? Not present. Okay. You know, no, and and apparently there are about 1,500 people who die every year that are living alone. Okay, so I'm not terribly far off. Yeah. Yeah. That's still that's still a lot. Yes. I mean, it's yeah, New York has millions of people, but that's still a lot. Yes, correct. Now, of those, 640 uh, homeless people were found dead in 2021. And of those, 71 of those were found just dead in the streets and 174 sure. of them in shelters. Well, I, I don't want to be that person, but honestly, I think that I feel like that number is low. I really do. I mean, I hope I hope it's I hope that that number's wrong and it's actually a smaller amount than that because then, you know, good for us, I think, yeah. for having <laughs> a better handle on that type of care, but at the same time, like that's so much. Yeah. That's so much. Yeah. I mean, as I was as I was doing research for this, I came across a a huge article. This must have been like a 
20 page article and I actually sat and read the whole thing. It was the story of uh, basically a guy who was found dead in his apartment and they, they, they just talked about, you know, nobody knew who he was and like the, the what and the, 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 you know, the different people whose jobs were to try to find out this information as to who he was. And they ended up, it took them like five or six months till they actually found out who he was and who his beneficiaries were and things like that. It, it was a fascinating article. It really was. Um, it's, it's sad. Five to six months. Oh, yes. They couldn't, they, and they couldn't bury him till then. Really? He was, yeah. He was, he was sitting, uh, you know, in, in, an, uh, I guess in the morgue somewhere for the entire time. But they talked about, you know, the people wow. whose jobs are to go and clean out these apartments and, and to go appraise the things that are in the apartments and, you know, find out how much the estate is worth and, and pay off any debts. And, you know, and I mean, this, this, it was really a fascinating article, I got to say. <laughs> I'm going to have to get you to send that to me because I'm that's as a, as much of a bummer as that is. That's really something that not a lot of people think about. Yes. Yes, for sure. Um yeah, I'll, I'll I'll have to I'll, I'll mark that down to, to to find that. I now have to go find it again, and then I'll send it to you. But but it really was fascinating. There's no question I just about have that. To read it on a not cold and gray day. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, for a bright sunny day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's it's first of all it's it's very interesting that we're talking about this right now because uh, unfortunately, less than a week ago, at the time of this recording, a friend of my wife's was actually found dead in her apartment. You know, and it was just like nobody nobody knows what happened to her. They don't know how you know how it happened and stuff what? like that. Yeah. It was just crazy. You know, this forty five year old woman who just, you know, wasn't answering the phone. And I mean she wasn't found dead a few weeks later. She found dead she was found dead the day after, but still mm. it was it was it's a crazy story. Crazy. We uh we had a very unfortunate situation in the family where we couldn't get a hold of a relative. And I guess people kind of dragged their feet in going to find this person, and uh, they had passed, but it had been nearly a week until they went to physically find the person, and it uh, it was not a great scene. But it's definitely it's uh, you yeah you just you hate to see it happen. Yeah, well, not to be not to, not to continue with the morbidity of this, but it, but you just reminded <laughs> me about about five or six years ago, a cousin of my mother's who. He was, you know, in his late sixties or whatever, living on his own. Uh, he didn't show up to work one day and, you know, everyone was wondering about him. They went to his apartment and they, they ended up finding him, you know, that he, he passed away over the weekend. And, and the craziest thing about the, that story is that on the table next to him was his will. Okay. What? But you no. want to hear, you want to hear something no. even crazier though. Okay. This, this you can't get crazy. You can, you can. This, the, the, uh, this must have happened maybe in 2016, 2017, whatever it was. I don't remember exactly when it happened. Okay. But the will was from 1976. Okay. He, he hadn't updated it. My father, who passed away in 1977, was the executor of this will. Okay. So 40 years after my father passed away, this other guy died. And his will, you know, he, he he named someone the executor who had died 40 years earlier. And he never wow. had updated it. And the will was just sitting next to him as he was slumped over at the table or whatever it was. You know, it, again, crazy stories. But but we probably should get back to talking about fun things about Harry Metzelli. And that, and that uh, you know, and that unfortunate story. We're, I think we're becoming Harry. We're just, you know, we're, we're getting, we're talking about morbid things here. 
We're looking at the yeah, dark side. I'm just going to start spitting grapes at my monitor. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Pits, don't worry. They, they, won't, they won't reach you. They won't reach you. <laughs> I guarantee you that. All right. <laughs> and that always threw me off that it didn't, like I said, hit the camera. I hit the rig when he was spitting them out. I guess he just had the perfect spot and the perfect aim for him yeah, every time. Completely. Well, that, that's uh, Billy Crystal for you. Also, the the magic of Hollywood. Yes, <laughs> that is true. But but it turns out that I, I guess Rob Reiner likes to have spitting in his movies because you know in Stand by Me there they were spitting, you know. Yeah, but they they were kids. Like that's no, I know that, but uh, you know, but you, you just reminded me of it because River Phoenix was was like spitting through his fingers, you know, like he made an, an O with his finger, like the OK sign, and he spat through that. Oh yeah, that's right. He did you know, and he said, you know, where he goes, Chris Chambers uh, never misses, even with the ladies leave the seat down, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we, we see a shot of them driving towards downtown Chicago. And this is what I was talking about earlier. They shouldn't be going to, to downtown. <laughs> see, I thought that. But in my mind, I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's one of those things where it's like University of Chicago, but it's just kind of like just outside the city and they have to drive through the city in order to get like away from it. But then the more I think about it, I'm like, no, why would they call it that if it wasn't in the city itself? So that always it, it throws me off when I see it. I'm yes. like, uh Yes, they should not be driving towards towards that. And you know, we, we can see in the distance one of the uh you know the the, the famous landmark of of uh, Chicago, which uh, everyone calls the Sears Tower, even though I just found out that it's no longer called the Sears Tower. Um, it's, it's, it's called the Willis tower. Did you know they changed the name? I knew they had changed the name, but I couldn't remember to what. Right. Okay. So but it, I was still called the Sears tower. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Me too. <laughs> so it's a 108 story building, uh, that is 442.3 meters, uh, high, you know, which, which is pretty high. It, and it was the first – was it the first skyscraper in the U.S. or one no, of No, 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 no. In 1973, it became the world's tallest building. and it, That's what it was. And it held that title for 25 years. Um, as of now, it is the third tallest building in the Western Hemisphere, and it is the 23rd tallest building in the world. Because the tallest building in the world is the Burj Khalifa. Um, I believe so, but but every year that changes because uh, they keep making bigger and bigger buildings. Everybody keeps building. putting them spires and the needles on it. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. Cheaters. Bunch of cheaters. That's right. <laughs> um, apparently, one uh, one point seven million people uh, visit the uh, observation deck, which the observation deck is the highest in the U.S. Okay, hmm. it's it may be the third tallest building, but uh, but the observation desk is is the highest. Um, really? Yes. The highest in a skyscraper or just highest observation deck? It is the highest observation deck. You're right. Okay, that's right. No, mean, meaning that, for instance, the observation deck on the uh, Empire State Building is not as high as the one in the Willis Building. No. Interesting. Yeah. Because I would have assumed – well, now we're just getting into the weeds of it, but I would assume, like, because there's an observation deck at Pikes Peak, and that's the tallest point in the U continental U.S. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm overthinking it, but that's that just seems crazy to me that it wouldn't be the Empire built or even the new um, One World Trade Center they just built, not just built, but the new right. World Trade Center tower they just built. That's okay, interesting. I wonder why. I wonder why. Don't know. You can, and you can keep wondering because <laughs> I don't know the answer. <laughs> 
anyone out there who knows the answer can 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 let us know. You know. Um, in June 2006, there were seven men that were arrested by the FBI who were trying to blow up the the tower, and they they you know they ended up. Uh, uh, convicting five of them, and two of them were acquitted. The the biggest, the largest tenant in the building at the time, Ernst and Young, decided to uh, move move their 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 offices out of that building uh, a few years later because they were they were scared that that something was going to happen in the building. Yeah, I don't blame them. Yeah, I, I really don't blame them. Or is that the one where you can like they have boxes built into the side of the building where you walk out and you literally look straight down because you're standing on glass? Is that the one? I don't know. I. I I, I think I was I was there once, but it was uh, it was decades ago. I think I was there in 1989, something like that. 89, 90, something like that. Um, I've never been to Chicago. I got to get out there. <laughs> and uh, in the movie Fresh Bueller's Day Off, they're actually in the observ- they they go to the uh, to to actually at the time it was still called the Sears Tower, so they they spend some time there. Yeah, because they're like leaning the heads up against the glass and looking down and everything. Yes. <laughs> Look at us keep bringing it back to Ferris Bueller's. That's twice in this episode now. What else are we talk about Ferris Bueller? Uh, um, when I talked about uh Charlie Sheen or oh, you're right, 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 right. You see, it was though. it was a half hour ago. I forgot about that. You're right, Charlie Sheen. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. You got you got me on that one. There you go. Um, <laughs> it it. The, the the Willis Tower appears in the movie The Dark Knight as part of Gotham City. Mm. It's in uh, Transformers: Dark of the Moon. In a few scenes, it's in Man of Steel. Uh, apparently, oh, yeah. the Daily Planet is located in the Sears Tower, or the Willis Building, or whatever it's called in the Man of Steel universe. I don't know. Interesting, because I always thought Gotham. Was Gotham based off of New York and Metropolis, Chicago, or was Gotham based off of Chicago, Metropolis, New York? I, I I don't know. I never was able to figure that out because because they always said that 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 Metropolis was not far from you know it was a few hours from Smallville, that like mm-hmm. apparently Metropolis was supposedly in Kansas somewhere. I don't know. Hmm. I I think it depends on on what iteration of of comics you're thinking of because they keep if they probably changed it of where it's supposed to be. That's true. Yeah. You know, I always thought that Gotham was New York for sure, but apparently, um, uh, you know, if if you ask Christopher Nolan, it's Chicago. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't know. Don't know. And then there's another building that you can actually read the the. the did you look at the buildings that were there by any chance, or not really? In where? No. When when we see the shot of of Chicago. Oh, oh we're actually talking about the movie again. Yeah, we're back. We're back. We're back to the Harry Miss Sally. We're not talking about Ferris Bueller. We're not talking about The Dark Knight. The uh, the only one I see no is the uh, is the Sears Tower. Okay, so there's another one that you can actually see that it's a, it's right in front of the Sears Tower, uh, and you can see the words Playboy on it. Okay, so it is the Playboy Building. Uh, what? Yes, which is a 37 story building. That was uh, that was completed in 1929, and th- it originally was the the home of the Colgate Palmolive Peat Corporation. Hmm. Okay, and it was originally called the Palmil- Palm- uh, the Palmolive Building. In 1965, uh, Hugh Hefner took it over, 
and they renamed the building. They renamed the building the, the Playboy Building, right? And it was the home to the editorial and business offices of Playboy Magazine from 1965 until 1989, when they moved their their offices to uh, Lakeshore Drive in Chicago. Okay, they sold the lease in 1980, and then uh, they 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 signed a 10-year lease. To, for themselves, that they continued there until 1990, and then mm-hmm. they they okay. the the building was renamed, and it was renamed the uh, they renamed the building 919 North Michigan Avenue. You know, very very original name for for a building. It's kind of boring. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. <laughs> you go from Palmolive to Playboy to 1919, or oh, sorry, 919 Michigan Avenue. Hmm. I don't know. I don't, think, uh, I don't yeah. like it. Okay, but at the time, the traditional. that's right. But at the time, and we can still see it in the movie. Um, so they had the, the the letters spelling out Playboy that were nine foot uh, letters that were illuminated Sheesh. on both the north and south roof line. Okay, it was designated as a Chicago landmark in two thousand, and it was added to the Federal uh, National Register of Historic Places in two thousand and three. Huh. Yeah. Okay. In 2001, it was it was sold to someone else, and they decided to rename it, and they named it the Palmolive Building again. So. Okay. Yeah, and and it actually became a residential address. And Vince Vaughn actually owns a triplex penthouse that encompasses the 35th, sixth, and seventh floors of the building. And apparently his his uh, his house apartment is uh, estimated at twelve million dollars. Oh my god! Well, he is a big Chicago guy. Yeah. So it does make sense. Yeah. And he, then he he tried selling it in uh, twenty thirteen for twenty five million dollars, and decided oh, in the yeah. end to to divide it into two units. And he sold one for eight point five, and the other one for four point two. So. So he kind of broke even. I yeah, guess. more or less. I, I guess he was he was a little uh, he, he scrap you know scrapping for some cash. <laughs> mm. that's still, that's that's an a triplex, three floors. Yes. What do you? I don't even have that much stuff for a floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think at least. That's right. So part of the the conversation that 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 Harry and Sally have here is you know he. He's basically saying that there are two types of people. There's only people who have a dark side and people who are cheerful. Would you agree with that? I mean, that, that's a very uh, simplistic way of looking at people by saying that you're either black I think or white. It's too simplistic. Yeah. No, no, no. Everything's gray. Right. It's, I don't think anything truly, unless you're a light switch. Well, even then, because you can be a dimmer switch. Right. There so you there go. There truly is. There rarely go. is there a hard yes or no anymore, or yes. one or the other. It's it's too. It's which is great. I'm all for, you know, you know, but it's just, it's, it's all gray. It's all gray. Yeah. Yeah. Now he also mentioned the fact that, you know, that, that, uh, you know, there are people who, um, who, who he said, you're probably one of those people who dots their eyes with a heart. <laughs> now, do you know what that's called? With the, the name of the, it just, it's not just dotting an eye with an heart. It, well, the, the dotting, the, the dotting of an eye has a name. Oh, oh, oh. 
I do not know what that's called. It's it's called a tittle. T-I-T-T-L-E. Okay. Or sometimes known as a superscript dot. Okay. Huh. Most people most people don't refer to it as a tittle. <laughs> they just know? call it a dot. They just call it a dot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do you dot your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's uh, and obviously depending on the language, there are different languages that use different, uh, you know, uh, superscripts and things like that. But uh, no, I just thought it was funny that 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 there's actually a, a name for it. You know, it's not something I ever would have thought of. Yeah, like I would, like you said, I'd nope, I would just call it a dot. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've heard that the, the, the phrase, you know, uh, dotting one's eyes and crossing one's t's. But that, yeah, that, I've heard that. That just yeah. means, you know, uh, finishing things up properly and stuff like that. Yeah, detail oriented. Make sure it's all square yeah. and what it's supposed exactly. to. be. Exactly, exactly. And you know, what, what's what's really funny is that you know, like he says to her, um, you know, she sorry when she's being defensive and she says, "I have just as much of a dark side as the next person." You know, like why does why does she even care to to try to you know like is is it a positive thing to have a dark side? I I don't I don't know. I mean it I think in a weird way yes because I feel like you you do have to have a little bit of one in order to have the other. Right? Like I don't think anything could truly be 100% of something. There has to be a little bit of balance even if it's very off balance and it's the scales are, you know, very much leaning one way more than the other. I I think there's definitely a little bit of both there. Right. Okay. That that's fair. Then, and the last thing I want to say about the dialogue here is I love how he calls her my friend. You know, at the end, he goes, that, my friend. You know, uh, they've been driving together 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a strange phrase to call someone my friend at that point. Yeah, you don't really – I don't even hear that a whole lot yeah. nowadays anymore. No, I don't, I don't really hear it that much anymore. Don't know. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the uh, script? No. That uh, no. All right. So the, the script has a, a few discrepancies here. Not that many, but there there are some. So first of all, it it, it the minute would start off if we went according to the script by saying, "I hope this is going to be one of those trips with a lot a lot of long awkward silences." And then Sally says, "Me too." And then it says, "A long awkward silence." <laughs> <laughs> Classic. And, and then he starts off with, uh, you know, tell me the story of your life. Um, <laughs> after Harry gives his whole uh, a diatribe about the the death in New York one, so then it says in the script it says Sally looks over at Harry, who am I stuck in this car with? And she just looks back at the road. He's a, a little, uh, you know, a little shocked. And the only other difference is that Harry says, uh, that way, if I die before I finish it, I know how it comes out instead of I know how it ends. But it doesn't make a difference. That, that's just a small little nuance. You know, that it doesn't make a difference either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Great. So every Monday we have a segment called Meg Ryan Monday, where my guests will give their top five Meg Ryan performances. So, Nick, what have you got for us? Start with your number five and work your way up. Number five, Proof of Life. It's a film I've seen recently, and she smokes a whole lot in that movie. Everybody does. Well, because she was uh, cheating on her husband at the time, so what do you expect? That's true. That's – yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
number four, classic Sleepless in Seattle. Um, number three is Anastasia, uh, the wife, huge fan of that movie. And early on when we were dating, uh, they have that on Call of Duty. Like, I didn't know they had Anastasia or Call of Duty. <laughs> you can hear it in the background of the TVs before you blow up the houses that it's in. Um, <laughs> that's cool. No, um, she, uh, she was a really big fan of it growing up and every so often she would throw it on and I really have never seen it, uh, despite me being a big Don Bluth fan. And she's like, watch this, watch this. So I've started watching it more and more, and I, I, I can appreciate it and dig it for uh, for what it is. Um, number two is You've Got Mail. Uh, big fan of that. I'm not exactly sure why, but I really, really like that movie. And then, believe it or not, number one, When Harry Met Sally. Wow. Like this, yeah, this movie really, like, really did it for me. I don't know what it was, but when I saw the top five, I'm like, Puh, I know what number one is now. Like, it was really, really easy to make that distinction. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Great. So, Nick, do you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me over on Twitter at the Rehack, T H E R E H A K. That is, as this episode comes out, if it is still existence. Um, uh, keep an eye out on the distance for new episodes of Rehack Radio over at mixcloud.com. And as always, I'm on episodes of The Lambcast, Movies, Films, and Flicks, and Exploding Helicopter. All right. And, and, uh, move around a minute. Uh, <laughs> That too. <laughs> How could I forget? But anyone anyone listening to this knows that, so that's okay. That's true. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So until tomorrow, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. Gave me a thrill with all your faults. I love you still. It had to be you, wonderful you, had to be you.